defamation trial against Donald Trump filed by E. Jean Carroll began this week on Tuesday. And even before the trial officially began, things went off the rails. Now, Donald Trump is facing his second defamation lawsuit from E. Jean Carroll. She, of course, won the first one, got $5 million in a jury verdict. In this one, she is seeking $10 million plus compensatory damages. And the second one, of course, is because even while the first one was going on, Donald Trump continued to defame her. So we have a new trial. And as Donald Trump was going into the courtroom and while he was sitting in the courtroom, what did he do? He continued to defame her on truth social. Now, Donald Trump, while he was sitting in the courtroom, he did not have his phone out. It was not in his hand. However, posts were still being made to his truth social account, calling E. Jean Carroll a liar, saying that this was extortion and for some reason, blaming president Biden for this whole thing, as if he has anything to do with this. But nevertheless, he was making the same claims against Carroll on truth social that got him sued in the first place. So even as he's in the courtroom, those posts are still going out. So again, he didn't have his cell phone. So either he had scheduled these posts to go live later or somebody else was in control of his account, making it seem like he was live tweeting while of course sitting in the courtroom. And this did not go unnoticed by the plaintiff's lawyers. It got so bad that they actually had to ask the judge to get Donald Trump to stop. And then after jury selection happened, the plaintiff's lawyers said this, how much money will it take to make him stop? Because he has not stopped. (laughs) He sat in this courthouse. You saw him. And while he was sitting here, he posted more defamatory statements, more lies about Ms. Carroll in this case. By our last count, 22 posts just today. Think about that when you consider how much money it will take to get him to stop. Now, in this particular lawsuit, the liability has already been determined. There was the pretrial uh, summary judgment. So they're not arguing in court whether Trump did or did not defame her. The court has already determined, yes, you did. So this trial is only about how much money Donald Trump is going to have to pay. Yeah, kind of a pattern, by the way with Donald Trump's legal problems. Like the problems are so bad and so obvious that he's getting all of these summary judgments against him, like the New York fraud trial, that the trials are only about how much money he's going to have to pay. And the fact, the fact that he was still defaming her while sitting in that courtroom. And that's the first thing the jury hears when they meet in their little jury box for the first time. Yeah. Donald Trump is in serious trouble here. Now he's also in a bit of trouble because Alina Haba is representing him in this case for some reason. And, uh, because apparently she did such a good job in the fraud trial that sure, why not give her this one too? Right. Uh, she made a complete ass of herself, kind of shocked legal experts with the behavior that she engaged in, in the courtroom, you know, pissed off the judge right away to where the judge basically had to tell her to shut up. So it's not going well for Donald Trump at all. He is definitely going to have to pay out millions of dollars for this case 
partially because of his own behavior and partially due to the fact that he still cannot seem to recognize that Alina Haba is clearly not a good lawyer for him. But either way, if he keeps these posts up, not only is he going to lose this trial and pay millions, there's a good chance she may have to sue him again. Now, I have said repeatedly over the last couple years that the whole purpose of all of the book bans that we're seeing in red states, all of the transgender sport bans, the transgender bathroom bans, all of it is about erasing transgender people from existence. And just in case you thought that that was just hyperbole, maybe that's me overreacting, let me direct you to the state of Missouri. The state house in Missouri, controlled by Republicans with a Republican governor running the state, uh, they went back to session this week. And to start their session, they introduced one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different bills to erase transgender people from existence in the state of Missouri. Here is the laundry list of these pieces of legislation from Missouri Republicans. HB 1520 would make the gender affirming treatment ban permanent and retroactive. HB 1519 would protect from liability any medical professionals who refuse to assist with a gender transition. HB 1674 requires private employers to provide biological sex exclusive bathrooms to employees. HB 2355 require schools to provide biological sex, exclusive bathrooms, locker rooms, and changing rooms. HB 2308 requires schools to provide biological sex, exclusive bathrooms, locker rooms, and changing rooms, and creates a legal framework for suing non-compliant schools. HB 2309 eliminates the difference between sex and gender within state law. And HB 2357 requires all public bathrooms to be biological sex exclusive. Now it's that second to last one that I read. They're legislating science. Okay. Science has told us there is a difference between sex and gender. Like that's what science tells. By the way, that's not just from me. That is uh, the National Institutes of Health, the U.S. Surgeon General, and the American Academy of Pediatrics. They've all said... Those two are not alike. So Republicans in ass backwards, Missouri have said, well, we don't like that. What if we just change the law to say science actually tells us this? <laughs> well, that sounds great, right? And that's what these rednecks did. That's the piece of legislation they have proposed. We're going to legislate you out of existence, which is exactly what I've been warning you about for years now. I was not speaking in hyperbole. I wasn't overreacting. I was telling you what is eventually going to happen. And by God, here it is happening right now in the state of Missouri, Missouri, which by the way, has a higher than the national average poverty rate. You're not doing well in healthcare. You rank 39th out of 50 states on that. You know, you're in the thirties of all the states in education. So you're towards the back end of education and this is your priority. Seven pieces of legislation to kick off your new legislative session, all attacking transgender people. This, these pieces of legislation, by the way, the average everyday person in the state of Missouri, 
going about their daily life, you know, going to work, coming home, cooking dinner, whatever it is, this isn't going to affect you at all. Your life will not change in any meaningful way. None. You're not going to be economically better off. You're not going to be healthier. None of it. None of this legislation actually makes an impact on your life. The only people it impacts are the people who are transgender. Their lives are going to become more of a hell. Let me read you this, because I think this is actually very telling. You have House Majority Floor Leader John Patterson. Now, John Patterson had this to say. He said, I don't think that will be much of a focus. I think if you really want to help kids... We, we have kids that can't read. One out of five of our kids are obese. We had 40 kids die of gun violence in the past year, addressing crime, addressing education. If you really want to help kids, those are the things we should work on. And by the way, that's a Republican. The Republican leader in the state house is like, yeah, I don't want to do these things because we actually have real problems. So kudos to him for admitting, hey, we actually have things we need to do. Maybe let's not focus on marginalizing an already marginalized community, right? But nope, the House Freedom Caucus in Missouri says, oh, hell no, we're going to focus on culture war issues. We're going to make these people's lives even worse than they already are. And we're going to do nothing to solve the real problems in the state of Missouri, because by God, folks, that is just how the Republican Party of 2024 operates. In her opening statements this week in the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit brought against Donald Trump, Alina Haba argued that E. Jean Carroll got everything she wanted from filing these lawsuits against Donald Trump. She became famous, Alina Haba told us, and she's loving every second of it. Now, this story is not actually about that case, but I wanted to bring up that point that Alina Haba called out this woman for allegedly wanting to become famous when two days before that, Alina Haba spoke to an audience of nearly 90,000 viewers on YouTube as part of the Amanda Grace uh, ministry where she said that demonic forces, there is a demonic plan that is causing all of Donald Trump's legal problems. An audience of over 87,000 people, nearly 90,000 people, that this nobody attorney from Nowheresville got to speak to this weekend. And she had the audacity to walk into a courtroom and say that another woman was just trying to get famous. Do you not see the irony there, folks? Here's what Alina Haba said to this ultra right-wing Christian warrior audience on YouTube. Again, this was the Amanda Grace. Uh, I guess she's got some kind of ministry thing. Alina Haba said, quote, there's God's plan. And then there's the demonic plan. We need to fight these people that are obviously coordinated and are trying to have a crusade of election interference. We have cases lined up intentionally during election time, intentionally trying to get negative attention. Their demonic plan is so obvious. The more demonic, the more Trump derangement syndrome there is in this world, the more support there is for the Trump family. 
Now, who are those demonic forces? Well, according to Alina Haba, uh, they would be the Fulton County District uh, Attorney, uh, the Justice Department, the New York District Attorney's Office, the Colorado Supreme Court, and Maine Secretary of State, as well as court workers in those states. Uh, this group includes people such as Judge uh, Arthur Ingeron, Judge Tanya Chutkin, Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, and the state Supreme Court, all of whom have received death threats as they face off against the former president. So... All these demons, Alina Haba tells us, you know, judges and prosecutors, demons, um, they're the ones who have conspired to go against God's plan, as she said, because God's plan is what? To have the corrupt adulterer take back over the United States and just fully send us straight down to hell, Alina? I'm sure your audience of 90,000 certainly love that. And I'm sure you love talking to a crowd of tens of thousands of people. Because that's your only goal here. That's why Alina Haba is on TV on some conservative media outlet every other day. She has gotten everything she has wanted, except a legal victory. She doesn't have any of those for Donald Trump. Uh, She's not going to have any. But she doesn't care. Because Alina Haba was projecting when she told the jury that E. Jean Carroll just wanted to be famous. That's you, Alina. And congratulations, you did it. I mean, God, I don't even know how many segments I've had to do on your antics since you burst onto the national spotlight. But you've gotten everything you wanted. You got everything you accused Eugene Carroll of wanting to get. And your fame is going to outlive your legal career. That's a given because your legal career is going south very quickly. As I mentioned, you've lost everything that you have tried to do for Donald Trump. You are not a winner. You are, in fact, by definition, a loser. And I got to read you this quote from her, too. She then said, "Uh, I definitely get the strength and grace from God to keep fighting, even when I'm tired, even when I've finished 11 weeks of trial on Letitia James. So she makes it sound like she's prosecuting Letitia James instead of having to defend the corrupt Donald Trump. And Amanda Grace, you know, the Ark of Grace founder, it's called Ark of Grace. She had this to say after Alina Hoppe finished talking. She said, shift the courts, father, blow through the courts and dismantle arguments in lofty places and in high places of wickedness. I don't even know what that means. But I do know that if you're praying for the courts to help a politician, um, then we need to take a look. I don't know if you get a tax exempt status. I'm assuming you do since you're like a ministry, but uh, if you do, probably something needs to be investigated there. But either way, Alina Haba has gotten what she's wanted. Everything except for a legal victory. She is famous. She's talking to audiences of tens of thousands. She will be on the Republican speaking circuit. She will show up at every Republican convention, the, the CPACs, the turning points, all of it. She'll always be there. She's made a name for herself. And even though her legal career is going down the tubes, the fame that she has gotten from the Republican Party is going to last for quite a while. Until, of course, the next flavor of the day shows up and Elena Haba has to go the way of people like Tommy Laren and Ann Coulter and Michelle Malkin and, you know, all of those other people who had their 15 minutes of fame. Elena Haba is just starting her 15 minutes, but trust me, There's always a new, crazier Republican waiting in the wings to take over when Alina Haba eventually flames out. 
most media outlets made the decision on Monday evening to not air Donald Trump's victory speech after the Iowa caucus in its entirety. NBC and CNN both ran his speech for, you know, roughly 10 minutes or so before finally saying, okay, you know what? We, we don't need to hear this anymore. It's just Trump's greatest hits. We're done with it. Fox news ran it for a couple minutes longer before also cutting him off and saying, okay, we get it. We get it. We're done. So everybody basically said, okay, we'll listen to you for, for a few minutes. We don't really need this. It's just Iowa. You were already projected to win. This is not a shock. We're done. But Trump was so furious, not at Fox, just at NBC and CNN, that during a campaign rally in uh, New Hampshire, excuse me, the next day, he goes out there and he tells the crowd that we need to revoke the licenses of NBC and CNN because they wouldn't air his speech in its entirety. Here's what he said. NBC and CNN refuse to air my victory speech. I think of it because they are crooked. They're dishonest. And frankly, they should have their licenses or whatever they have. Take it away. Now, cable networks are, of course, not actually regulated by the FCC. Um, they, they have to pay to be on those airwaves. So there's, there's no license to speak of. So at least, you know, he, he can't do anything about that if he gets back to the white house. Uh, but this is an attack on the first amendment. This is a direct attack on the United States constitution. Donald Trump, a politician, a former president, a guy who wants to be the president again is calling for media outlets that do not give him fawning coverage 24 seven to be shut down. He wants the government to interfere with these networks because he thinks they're not nice to him. And don't think for a second that if he gets back into that white house, that he won't try to do something about it. And this, as so many other things do, it goes back to project 2025. You got the heritage foundation leading the way they're going to pack the government with 50,000 Trump loyalists, fire career, civil servants, replace them with MAGA hat wearing dimwits who will tell Donald Trump yes. So over at the FCC, over at the Department of Justice, he's going to have nothing but MAGA hat wearing freaks. So when he goes in and says, hey, I need NBC taken off the air. I need CNN taken off the air. I need Jimmy Kimmel taken off the air. They're not going to say, okay, that's illegal. Get out of here. They're going to say, yes, sir. I'll let you know how quickly we can have that done. And it's not, by the way, just with attacks on media outlets. It'd be the same if he walked in there and said, hey, this person over here, this politician's causing me some trouble. Go uh, prosecute them for something. Just make something up and prosecute them. It's not going to result in laughter among the people he tells these things to. They will say, yes, sir, we'll get right on it and we'll make it happen by the end of the day. That's what's so threatening about a Trump second term, because he learned from his mistakes of his first term. We know through interviews and books that people who served in his first administration have, have written and things that they've said that he wanted them to do a lot more extreme, horrible things than they did, but they pushed back, right? Like that op-ed from that staff from the New York times, we're the resistance from the inside, this time he won't have that resistance. 
he knows to not put people like that in any office near him. And that is what is terrifying about this. So when he says he wants these networks licenses pulled, even though they don't really have licenses, if he gets back into the White House, he's going to figure out a way to do that. And pretty much every network except for Newsmax is going to be pulled off the air. That's what we're looking at. He will do it. And we need to take these threats against the Constitution that Trump is leveling very, very seriously. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. 